be in, in, in the flow here. We're going to get in the flow and just flow with the Holy Ghost. Amen? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. And as we teach the word of God today, we trust that we'll get out of all, this service all that you have for us to get. And we know you'll do your part. I'll do my best to do my part. We trust that the congregation will do their part. And so then we'll get out of it exactly what you want us to get. Not just some hype and excitement, but a real flow of the Spirit of God. And that we'll hear exactly what it is the Spirit of God is saying to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. You can sit down. Now open to Jeremiah the 18th chapter if you would. Jeremiah the 18th chapter. We normally on this day talk about the persecuted church. But with the election coming up on Tuesday, I felt impressed of the Spirit of God. This is the way he wanted us to go, so this is the way we'll go. And we'll, uh, Pastor Diane said all that needed to be said today about the persecuted church. Now in Jeremiah, the 18th chapter and the 15th verse, it says, because my people have forgotten me. Is it, you know it's possible to, to, to know the Lord and then forget him? A lot of people do that. He says, because my people have forgotten me, they have burned incense to worthless idols. That's something that the people of God who once bowed their knee to the Lord now bow their knee to something else. And have caused themselves to stumble in their ways. Notice from the what? From the ancient paths. From the ancient paths to walk in. See, there's a path that God has for us to walk down. We need to stay on that path. And notice that the people forgot him and they strayed from the path, from the ancient paths to walk in pathways and not on a highway. As you get into that and study that out, you find out those pathways are paths that were built by men that look right, but they're not, by, they're not, they're not built by God. They're not what God wants these people on. These people that once knew the Lord walked with him on these paths of righteousness they forgot him and they got off those paths and they started going down the pathway that seemed right to them or that looked right to them or, and, and it was stuff that man had built, stuff that they wanted and not what God wanted and they came off of the highway, said, and not on a highway, that highway is a road established and built by God. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to stay on the highway, not on the pathway, I want to stay on that which is built by God and established by God, not on what a man, a woman, a boy, or a girl wants, you see. And that's what the people did. They got off the path that God had for them. Verse 16, to make their land, now notice what happens when you get off the path that God has for you, to make their land desolate, a perpetual hissing, everyone who passes by it be astonished, shake his head. I will scatter them as with the east wind before the enemy. See, you get off the path that God has for you. When the enemy comes against you, you'll not be able to stand against the enemy. And then the Lord says, I will show them the back and not the face in the day of their calamity. You can actually get so far away from God. And, 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 and you have to understand something about the Lord. When you start to move away from him, he's, he's wonderful. He's good. And he'll deal with you. And you know, he deals with people for years and years and years and years and years and years. But... Uh, because he wants them to get back on that path, but you can stray so far away from the Lord 
and you can, you can uh, turn your back on his instruction and on his, his uh, wooing to get back where you're supposed to be. You can turn your back on that to the point that when the calamity comes, he'll, turn, he'll just turn his back and look the other way. Well, I don't ever want to get there. How about you? That's a bad place to be. Psalm 917, Psalm 917. Notice what the Bible says in Psalm 917. Psalms 917 says, the wicked shall be turned into hell. How many of you know there is a hell? There's a heaven, there's also hell. The wicked shall be turned into hell. And all the nations that what? That what? That forget God. That means they once knew him, but they forgot about him. He said in Jeremiah, my people have forgotten me. Here we see what happens when people forget God. Titling this message today, direction. Direction. Real loud with everything in you, say direction. Direction. One more time, direction. 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 You know, direction is important. And I want to talk about direction specifically as it has to do with the United States of America. You know, if you go in the wrong direction, you'll wind up in the wrong place. Now, that's not rocket science. But is that right? If you go in the wrong direction, you're going to wind up in the wrong place. Is that right? There's nothing difficult about that. If you go in the wrong direction you're going to eventually wind up in the wrong place. I want to say some things about the election that's coming this Tuesday. However, before I say anything about that, I don't know, it just, I feel impressed to say something about God's people, Israel, first of all. Did you know that, did you know that God doesn't always get what he wants? God doesn't always get what he wants. Did you know that? Well, doesn't he want everybody to be saved? But is everybody going to get saved? No, unfortunately, it's not his fault. It's their fault. God never wanted Israel to have a king. He wanted to rule over them. If you notice in 1 Samuel 8 verse 5, let's go there, 1 Samuel 8 verse 5. Notice this, 1 Samuel 8 verse 5. We'll pick up midway through that verse. First Samuel 8, verse 5. We'll pick up midway through that verse. Make it, the people said to Samuel, make us a king to, uh, to judge us like all the nations. Make us a king. Give us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, God, uh, when they said give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they've not rejected you, but they've rejected me, that I should not reign over them. These people are rejecting the Lord, aren't they? And what he wants for them. And and, and God's, I mean, you know, if... if, if If you want, I mean, he doesn't want you to go to hell, but if that's what you want, he'll let you go there. Did you hear me? He didn't want them to have a king, but if that's what they want, all right. And in verse eight, according to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day, 
with which they have forgot, forsaken me, see, or forgotten me, forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing to you also. Verse nine, now therefore heed their voice. However, you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. In other words, God says, okay, it's not my will for them to have a king. I wanna be their king and rule over them. But if that's what they want, okay, we'll give them one, but warn them what's gonna happen if they get one. You know, God will warn us. And, and so in the next verses, we won't take the time to read all through them, but he, uh, Samuel warns the people what the king will ultimately do. And you know there's no perfect people, is that right? No matter who the king, because we're going to see even God chose these kings for him, even though it wasn't in his perfect will for them to have a king in the first place, but that's what they wanted. And then he chose them. They're kings, but their kings are human beings. They're going to make mistakes and things like that. So God warns them through Samuel what's going to happen if they have a king. And then in verse 19, even after the people are warned, look at what happens here. Nevertheless, verse 19, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, no, but we will have a king over us. This something after God warns you of all the calamity that's going to happen to you. And then at, at the end of that, they, they say, no, we, we, we still want the thing that's going to cause us trouble. But that's what they wanted. And so verse 20, they said that we also may be like the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Now that's significant there because see, I don't want a man fighting my battle. I want God fighting my battle. But now that's what they want. And something else we see here is that the people can get to a place where they don't want to do anything. They want the leader to do everything for them. That's a dangerous place to be. I've noticed that to be the nature of people that they don't want to do things for themselves. They want somebody else to do it for them. Even in in, in the spiritual things, a lot of times people, they, they don't want to you know, do the praying for themselves as they should or whatever they want the pastor to do to, to do it all for them, you see. <laughs> and so, can you see that it was not the will of God for them to have a king? Can you or can't you? Uh, did God give them one anyway? And it's interesting, God picked their kings through the prophet. God picked their kings through the prophet. The first was Saul, then David, and then on to Solomon and so on. And it's interesting if you'll go to, because this will help, this helped me. The Spirit of God pointed this out to me and it helped me. It freed me up from something that, that I couldn't get, get around for some 20 years just recently. Look at Proverbs 21.1. Proverbs 21.1. Talking about the king and the direction here. We'll, we'll get it all, but go to Proverbs 21.1. You've read this, I'm sure, or heard it. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. You ever heard that? How many ever heard that? The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he, God, turns it wherever he wishes. Now, when I heard that verse years ago, when I was just a boy, I heard it in the context of a prayer situation in praying for a leader. And the way this was brought across to me and almost everybody I've ever heard that's 
commented on this has said the same thing. And they said, well, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. And the Lord will turn it whichever way he wants. Thus, well, the president's heart is in the hand of the Lord and he'll turn it every way he wants. And so that leaves a, 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 an explanation in your thinking that, well, whoever the leader is, whoever the king is, whoever the president is, well, his heart is in the hand of the Lord and the Lord will turn it whichever way he wants. Did you know that that's not true? Absolutely not true. What you have to understand here, and this is what the Lord pointed out to me, do you know who wrote the Proverbs? It was Solomon. He was the king. And when he said verse 1 here, he was speaking of himself and he was making a personal dedication of himself to the Lord. And he said, the king's heart, in other words, he's saying my heart, the king's heart, my heart is in the hand of the Lord. Lord, my heart is in your hand. Turn it whichever way you want. Now you see though, we get in trouble though when we take that one verse and we don't understand it like I haven't understood it for 20 some odd years and I just thought, well, every ruler, every king, every queen, every president is in the hand of the Lord and the Lord will turn it whichever way that he wants. If you can't make that one verse apply to every leader. This verse applies only to Solomon as he made a dedication to the Lord. And he said, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. In other words, he said, my heart is in your hand, Lord. Turn it whichever way you want. Now, to further prove that that is correct, go to 1 Kings, the 11th chapter in the first verse. 1 Kings, the 11th chapter in the first verse. 1 Kings, the 11th chapter in the first verse. And before we read anything, let me ask you a question. Do you think that God would ever turn Solomon's heart away from himself? Huh? Do you think that he would? I don't think he would. Do you think God would ever turn a leader's heart into killing babies? I don't believe that for a second. Now in 1 Kings 11 verse 1 said, but King Solomon loved many foreign women as well as the daughter of Pharaoh and so on and so forth. Verse 2, from the nations of whom the Lord said to the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them, nor, nor they with you. Surely they will do what? They will turn away your hearts after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. Well, wait a minute. What is that? that the, Solomon's the king. His hand is in the... His heart is in the hand of the Lord. The Lord will turn it whichever way he... See, when Solomon said the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, he was talking about himself. And at that time in his life, his heart was in the hand of God. And he had put his heart into the hand of the Lord. He said, Lord, turn it whichever way you want. God warned him about these foreign women. It had nothing to do with the, that they were a different skin color. How many of you know God doesn't look on skin color? He looks on heart color had nothing to do with their skin color at all. It had to do with what was in their heart. And God knew that, that, that if Solomon associated with these, that they would turn his heart away from God. And he warned Solomon. He appeared to him twice. How many of you think if God appeared to you just once, you'd stay on the right path? Uh, you, he appeared to Solomon twice and Solomon got off. Did you hear me? 
Just because God appears to you doesn't mean you're going to keep serving him. You got to fall in love with him and stay in love with him. You got to be more in love with the word of God than you are with an appearance or something. Woo, can you say amen? amen? And so the wives, look at verse three. He had 700 wives, prince of 300 concubines. That can't be the will of God. And his wives, look at verse three, his wives turned away his heart. But, but wait a minute, I thought his I, 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 I thought his heart was in the hand of the Lord. The Lord will turn it ever. His heart was in the hand of the Lord. At one time in his life, he put it in the hand of the Lord, but he disobeyed God. And because he disobeyed God, what happened? He, these other women came in and what happened? They, they then turned his heart. I don't know, this helped me in... You know, praying for people who are in leadership, you need to realize that people who are in leadership aren't always put there by God. Did you hear what I just said? Well, you know, who's ever in leadership, their heart is in the hand of the Lord and the Lord will turn it. That's not so. And I can prove it a million different ways, but just one way, I'll say it again. Would God turn a leader's heart to kill and massacre a bunch of little babies? Absolutely not. Not the God of this Bible. So you see Solomon's heart was turned. Now, was it God's will for Israel to ever have a king? No. Did God give them one anyway because that's what they wanted? Yes. Now, what God did is that even though it wasn't his perfect will, they wanted a king. He gave them a king. Now, God... Picked the kings and he used the prophet to do it. And let me read from my notes. In Israel, God picked the leaders through the prophet, you know, through the minister. In our system, now listen to me. See, in Israel, God picked the leaders through the prophet. And, and did God warn the people? And we didn't read it, but I pointed to it. Did God warn the people of all the negative things that would happen if they had a king? Even if God handpicked them, they're going to have trouble. Why? Because there's no perfect leader. Did you hear what I just said? But yet God picked them through the prophet. So in Israel, God picked the leaders through the prophet. In our system here in the United States of America, God picks the leaders through the people's vote. Did you get that? God picks the leaders through the people's vote. In Israel... In the days of the Old Testament, God picked the leaders through the prophet. In our system, God picks the leaders through the people's vote. Our system of government and the voting process is almost identical to how prayer works. Our system of government and the voting process is almost identical to how prayer works and operates. It would seem that God will do nothing upon the earth unless he is given an avenue to do so through prayer. Likewise, it would seem and appear that God will do nothing in America unless we give him, this is politically now, unless we give him the avenue to do so by voting and putting the godly into office. Now, I want to say that again. 
It would seem that God will do nothing upon the earth unless he is given an avenue to do so through prayer. Likewise, it would seem that God will do nothing politically in America unless we give him the avenue to do so by voting and putting the godly into office. Now, how how can I make this statement? Well, here's the answer. Night before last, Friday night, Pastor Diane and I went to a pastor's dinner. Governor Mike Huckabee was there. I was within just a few feet of him. I didn't get to talk to him, but he was there. He spoke. David Barton spoke, who is a historian. And any of you who've never heard of David, David Barton, you need to find out about him and, and, and get some of his, of his materials and read up on some of the things that, that he is, has to say. Uh, one thing I'll tell you that America is a Christian nation. I said America is a Christian nation. I said America is a Christian nation. But we sat and we listened to the historian David Barton. And he showed overwhelming statistics that when Christians show up and vote the word of God, it makes a dramatic difference at the godly people who get elected. And when Christians don't show up to vote the word of God, it makes a dramatic difference at the ungodly people who get elected. And he showed statistics after statistics after statistics that when the Christians show up and they vote the word of God, godly people come into office. Even in recent times, just recent times. But when the Christians don't show up and they don't vote the word of God, then the ungodly come to power. Did you hear what I just said? And then when the ungodly come to power, then we as Christians are trying to pray and use that scripture well. The heart of the president is in the hand of the Lord. And this something never did seem right to me over all these 20 years when I tried to pray that way. And I finally got the answer. The heart of the president isn't necessarily in the hand of the Lord. We need to put somebody in there as Christians who will yield to the, to the Lord, you see. Did you hear what I just said? So you see, prayer, it would seem that God will do nothing upon the earth except we give him, the, give him the avenue to do so through prayer. It would seem that God will do nothing politically in this nation unless we, as Christians, go to the polls and vote the word of God and, and keep the ungodly out and put the godly in. Can anybody say amen? He, David Barton made it clear that if Christians would show up and vote, America could be turned back to godliness in a very short time. I tell you what, one of the best ways to pray is that the eyes of the under, rather than travailing for hours about the heart of the king or the president being in the hand of the Lord, what we ought to be travailing over is that the eyes of the understanding of, of Christians who aren't registered, who don't vote, that, that, that their eyes of their understanding would be enlightened and that they would, uh, that they'd get registered, that they'd step up to the plate and they'd cast a ballot for the word of God. Can you say amen? amen. We'd see more results than travailing for hours, praying for, I mean, we need to pray for the president. Don't misunderstand me. The Bible says to do that. But when, when, when somebody's heart is just not going to be in the hand of the Lord, we can't use that scriptures from Proverbs. Well, the heart of the president is in the hand of the Lord. Not if he doesn't want it to be. 
we'd get better results if we showed up to the polls and cast a vote for the godly. It was, it was amazing as I sat there as David Barton showed one statistic after another that when Christians show up and vote the word of God, the godly go out, the baby killers go out, and those that respect life come in to office, you see. The power is in our vote. Now, we need to pray all right. I'm going to tell you right now, Christians that pray and don't vote, Christians that pray and don't vote, if you don't vote, your prayers are null and void. Did you hear what I just said? Well, I'm going to just pray, but I'm not going to vote. You you just don't understand how it works, or I don't know what's going on, but I tell you what, if you won't vote, all your prayers are null and void. Pray, seek God, and then go cast your vote for the word of God. Can anybody say amen? He stated, David Barton said this, he said the majority of Christians don't show up and vote. The majority of them do not. The people that are self-professed, serious Christians, he said the majority of them don't show up and vote. If, if, if we could ever get the majority of them to show up and vote, he said America could be turned around very quickly. David Barton, this historian, shared many quotes by Charles Finney. Who is Charles Finney? He is a preacher whom God used in the second great awakening here in America. Did you know that America has at times over the years taken the wrong direction? And we've gone in the wrong direction. And when you go in the wrong direction, you're going to wind up where? In the wrong place. And, and there was a first great awakening. And I believe God used Whitfield. And, 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 and he came and he spoke to America. And, and they were able to get back. And America was able to get back in the right direction. And then a second great awakening. See? Because you see, you can get off direction. You can get back on. But you can get off again. Did you, did you understand that? And so in the second great awakening, God used this man named Charles Finney to speak to America. To get America back in the right direction. And listen to what Finney said. Because David Barton shared many quotes from Charles Finney, but this one was the most riveting. Listen to this. Charles Finney said this. He said, the time has come that Christians must vote for honest men and take consistent ground in politics or the Lord will curse them. Christians have been exceedingly guilty in this matter. But the time has come when they must act differently. Christians seem to act as if they thought God did not see what they do in politics. But I tell you, he does see it. And he will bless or curse this nation according to the course Christians take in politics. Should Christians be involved in politics? You better believe they should. Should pastors be talking about these things from the pulpit? You better believe they should. Well, shouldn't you be afraid of the IRS? Absolutely not. Well, shouldn't you let the government control what comes across this pulpit? No. Now, I'm not going to stand here and tell you who you should vote for. Even if I could, I wouldn't because that's between you and God. 
But I have a responsibility to stand here and point out uh, from the word of God when the nation's going in the right direction and when it's going in the wrong direction and what can we do to change it. I have that responsibility and I will do that and I won't let any government official ever tell me what can and cannot come across this pulpit because if I do, then the next thing that's going to happen after that is you're going to find yourself in all kinds of bondage that you never thought was possible. The preachers must be free to preach the word of God from the pulpits and we must not let anybody ever stop us from doing that. Can anybody say amen? Amen. Now America did not just take the wrong direction four years ago. Much argument could be made for that. And I'm not done yet, we'll get to that. But America did not just take the wrong direction four years ago. She took the wrong direction long before that. And when you take the wrong direction, you'll wind up where? In the wrong place. I think about the early 1960s when God, prayer, and the Bible were eliminated from the public school system. Thus, the secular indoctrination of children indoctrinating children, telling them that God didn't create, that, that, that we just came from an amoeba that crawled out of a swamp and that we came from monkeys swinging in the tree. That needs to be thrown out of every public school system. Can you say amen? And we need to teach the word of God from the desks that, that little children in the public, the word of God needs to be taught. And we need to teach children that there's a God who sits in the far sides of the north. And he said in the beginning, light be and light was and he made man and he made woman can you say amen glory to God but they've been indoctrinating children indoctrinating children with all kinds of devilish lies you need to understand that was a tactic that Adolf Hitler used in his rise to power to get that young generation to indoctrinate them with all kinds of devilish lies Parents, I want to tell you something, and don't ever forget this. The public school system does not own your child. You do. And you need to be aware of what's going on in the public school system. And and anything that your child is involved in, you need to understand what's going on there. Just came to my attention some time ago about what's called a mix-it-up day that some schools are participating in. And, you know, as I understand it, I think it's fantastic when somebody comes in from another country and we're going to sit down and try to understand their culture. And, under, you know, I don't have a problem with that. But when the schools say that we're going to have a mix-it-up day and we're going to try to get across to your children that the homosexual lifestyle is okay. They've gone too far. That's not good. I'm not going to allow that. I'm going to do everything I can do to stop it in the Rockwood School District or anywhere else. Can you say amen? Because that's not acceptable. I don't want little children sat down with other and, and taught that homosexuality is acceptable. It's not acceptable. Now listen, I do not think for one second that if there is a homosexual child in that school that we should pick on them, put them down. We shouldn't do it. We ought to love them. Say amen. 
But what I'm talking about is when administrators try to teach our children that the homosexual lifestyle is acceptable, that's not going to cut it with me. No more than I'd want them sitting down telling children that abortion is okay. That's not going to cut it with me. Wrong direction. When God was kicked out of the public school system. Wrong direction in the mid-60s to late-60s, a sexual revolution here in the United States of America, which led us to a pornographic society. How many of you know that we live in a pornographic society? You can't hardly look anywhere where you don't see a woman half-naked or a man half-naked or more. Is that right? See, that came out of a wrong direction years ago. In the early 1970s, abortion was legalized. How many of you know that was a wrong direction? And it's led to the slaughter of multiplied millions of innocent babies inside their mother's womb. And now we live in a time where there is a homosexual revolution going on. And that is a wrong direction. President Barack Obama first president to do so said that he was in favor of same sex marriages that is against the word of almighty God as I understand it this man is in favor not only of abortion but partial birth abortion even to the point that if a baby is born and the baby is still alive go ahead and kill it That's not somebody whose heart is in the hand of God. You can see in the book of Romans, the first chapter, that America has fallen into the pattern of sins that causes God's wrath to come. I will say this, as a man of God standing in this pulpit, I'm not telling you who to vote for. You vote the word of God. I'm just stating facts. But now I'm going to tell you something that I have seen in the spirit as I have prayed over the past four years. Now you need to realize there's never been a perfect man sit in the Oval Office. You need to realize that not all of them have been Christians. You need to realize that some of them have been professing Christians. You need to realize that there have been some good godly men that have sit in that office. None of them's been perfect. You can point at Republicans who have been dishonest. You can see Democrats who have been dishonest. And acted lewdly and whatnot. It's not a Democrat or a Republican thing. I'm looking for righteousness. But I will say this that in the spirit, over the past four years, I have observed something. I'm talking in the spirit now. This is just me. You can throw this out or not, whatever you want to do with it. I can miss it. But I will say that in the spirit over the past four years, I've observed a dark demonic power sitting over the White House and controlling the Oval Office. And I've seen that same thing sit on the majority of the media.
Now, it's interesting. Talking about this same-sex marriage, how many of you know God is not in favor of same-sex marriage? Am I telling you that we ought to bash homosexuals? No, we ought to love them with everything that we can and love them. But we need to love them enough to tell them lovingly the truth. We don't need to beat them over the head or snarl at them, but we need to love them. Say amen. Amen. But tell them the truth. David Barton also brought out that in Maine, the state of Maine, the legislatures, the people in power in the legislature, they passed same-sex marriage. And the the, the, the majority of the people found out about it and they overturned it. And that happened in some other states. And the point that he was making uh, is the power of we the people and more specifically the power of we the Christians. We complain and go on about how the ungodly are in power. The reason the ungodly are in power in this nation is the Christian's fault. It's our fault. If Christians do not go and vote, we can complain and crab and go on. It's not a prayer fault. If prayer was the answer, it would have been fixed a long time ago. There's a lot of people praying and travailing that, oh, that his heart would be in the hand of the Lord. You're wasting your time. What we need to pray for him and all that. But what we need to do is we need to have Christians come out and vote the ungodly out and vote the godly in. Not rocket science. But you see, when people get fed, it it seems like it it takes us to get fed up to the point that we do something. I personally think this nation is fed up right now with some stuff. We'll see just how fed up we are on Tuesday. We'll just see. I'm not making any predictions on that. But isn't it sad that we have to let things get so out of whack with the word of God before we stand up and do something? But again, America did not just take the wrong direction four years ago, but long before that. Thus, we're in the wrong place now. This nation is in the wrong place spiritually. It's in the wrong place morally. It's in the wrong place economically. My God, you don't have to be a rocket science to see, scientist to see that. I, I, this is my belief. You may agree or disagree, but I believe going off the gold standard all those years ago was a wrong direction. The home loan debacle of several years ago, how many of you know that was a wrong direction? Loaning money to people that, they mean, there was problems on both sides of that, but it was a wrong direction that we took and, and, it's, and it's wound us up in this place we're in right now economically if you take the wrong direction you'll wind up in the wrong place another thing mike barton brought out at that prayer conference or that it wasn't a prayer conference it was a pastor's dinner another thing he brought out was that charles finney this revivalist in the great second awakening when god used him to get america back in the, going on the right direction many many years ago This man attributed almost all failures in America to the pulpits. Now, before you start looking at me, I'm going to look at me, but then I'm going to look at you. 
Charles Finney attributed almost all the failures in America to the pulpits. That's been something that I've been saying for years. I tell you what, did you know the first thing the British did when landing on America's shores is they burned down the churches? Because they knew that the pulpits were affecting their tyranny. And much we could say, but it was brought out the other evening that if not for the fiery pulpits back in that hour, America today would just be a large British colony. The good men that spoke at that prayer, I say prayer conference, it was a pastor's dinner, including Governor Mike Huckabee. He was there, I saw him, he was right there. And they said the answer, and I agree, they said the answer ultimately is not in the White House. That is an answer, but it's not the ultimate answer. I believe it it is important to have a godly person in there. Uh, you, You understand what I'm saying? A moral person. But they said that the ultimate answer to the ills of this nation lie in the pulpits. And I'm going to take it a step further now. It's not just the pulpits, but it's the people that sit and listen. This is the same thing Alex Sesti Tocqueville said when he said, he said the genius of America is the pulpits being aflame with the preaching of righteousness. Did you know that some pulpits in major denominations support homosexuality? And, and, and something else you need to realize is this. So many other pulpits stay neutral on crucial Bible matters. Alighieri Dante said this, the hottest places in hell are reserved for those who in time of great moral crisis maintain their neutrality. It's interesting to note that when Hitler was on the rise, most of the pulpits in Germany remained neutral toward him. Some spoke out, but the majority did not. One of the greatest issues and problems that we have in this nation is pulpits that want to stay neutral on everything. But a further problem is that people that will allow that neutrality. I remember here one time, many years ago, a certain minister of a very large church went on national television. And the man asked asked him, said, said, is Jesus the only way to be saved? And the minister hem-hawed around and hem-hawed around and hem-hawed around and hem-hawed around. And then the man asked him again, giving him every chance to answer the question. This is a question that a a fourth grade Sunday school student should have been able to answer, much less a pastor of one of the largest churches in the nation. And he hem-hawed around and hem-hawed around and hem-hawed around and hem-hawed around. I further watched that minister another time where he had some of the Actually, it was, I believe, the Speaker of the House at that time in his congregation, visiting. And he came up on the abortion issue, and he wouldn't deal with it. 
I tell you what, I don't care who sits on this front row. We need to give honor to whom honor is due, but baby killing is baby killing. Yeah, but you might offend them. They need to be offended. And I made some statements just like what I did here and a lady came up to me at the door. See, the problem has been in the pulpits, but it's also been in the people that listen. And this lady came up to me right back there at that door and she said, how dare you say something like that about such a sweet minister? And I said, I didn't say anything bad about the minister. I'm just judging what the man said and did. We need, you need to judge what I say and do. And she said, how dare you? Who do you think you are? How dare you? And I said, but dear sister, I said, don't you realize that, 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 that to him haw around on Jesus being the only way to the Father, that that's a serious issue? And she said, well, I, well, I know it is. And well, I didn't, I didn't actually hear him say it. I know he said it. And, and I know he didn't take a position on, where, on, on Jesus. I know that. But, but, but I didn't hear him say it. Now my friends heard him say it. And, 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 and my friends told me that, 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 that he didn't take a position on Jesus. Um, uh, but, but he's so sweet and he's so kind and he's so wonderful. And he just makes me feel all so good on the inside that I'm going to keep listening to him anyway. Now, you want to know what's wrong with America? You don't have to look much further than that right there. I tell you what, I can come in here with the fire of the Holy Ghost because I've done it lots of times over the last 18 years. I can come in with the fire of the Holy Ghost, but if all you're going to be is a wet blanket, it's not going to do any good. Did you hear what I said? I said, did you hear what I said? I said, did you hear what I said? I can come here, come in here fired up and fired up with a fire of the Holy Ghost. But if you're going to just be a bunch of wet blankets, then, then, then you put that fire out. I'm not talking now about running around the room and acting like a fool. I'm talking about just flowing with the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? I had the spirit of God just say to me the other day, it was just strong. He said, and he just said it, he just said it. I wasn't even praying or nothing. He just said it. You can judge it, whether it's, you do whatever you want with it. I'm just telling you what he said to me. He said, any minister, very bold, very bold, just almost like somebody standing, it was just this strong. Any minister who appears at an assembly to pronounce a blessing on a politician who supports abortion or homosexuality is not of me. I don't know how you can be a man of God and and even go to a presidential inauguration and pronounce a blessing on a man who's going to allow the slaughter of babies. Man of God doesn't do that. Say, Pastor, wait a minute. Where's the Bible precedent for crying out against the political ills of the day? In the Old Testament, it's full of it. The prophets of God cried out against the king's wrongdoings. John the Baptist, he cried out against Herod's sin. Jesus cried out against Herod when, when, when they said, he's going to come and try to kill you. And Jesus said, you go tell that fox that I'm doing the will of God today and I'm performing healings today and I'll be doing it today and I'll be be doing it tomorrow. Can you say amen? 
He stood before Pilate and he said, you have no power over me at all except it's given you from above. What we do not need in this nation right now is we do not need to allow the pulpits to be silenced or controlled in any way, shape, form or fashion by the government. Because if that happens, I'm telling you, if that happens... And if ministers allow that to happen and if the people allow that to happen, you have no idea the kind of bondage that you're going to be in down the road. And I will let them put me in prison before I let them tell me what I can and can't preach from this pulpit. And you ought to be and you, and you ought to be amening me with everything on the inside of you lest you wind up sitting in the jail cell with me. Glory to God. I feel the anointing of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Glory to God. If you can't feel it, you ought to get saved. Glory to God. I feel the anointing of God. I'm not going to let man nor beast tell me what I can preach from this pulpit. Yeah, but we'll leave, Pastor, because you offend us. Then, my God, you've been part of the problem anyway. There's the door. Woo! Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Can you say amen? Can you say amen? And I'm not saying that ugly, but what I am saying, my God, if we've got people that they, well, well, we just, it just upsets us when you, I mean, he did, he did, he did. Come on, folks. Jesus is the only way to God. People like that, my God, you don't want them around any, that, that, that old wet blanket will get off on you. My God. I feel almost like running around the room. Glory to God. Praise God forevermore. You know what a minister ought to be? I don't care that I preached a little long today. I don't care. 2 Timothy 4 verse 2. Amplified Bible. This is the kind of man of God you want. Glory to God. You want you a man of God that'll be bold and that'll come cry with you when you are hurting. And we do them both. Amen. Second Timothy 4 verse 2 amplified. So come on now. Let's get that up there. Second Timothy 4 verse 2. You're doing a good job. Praise God. Second Timothy 4 verse 2 in the amplified. Herald, thank you. Herald and preach the word. Keep your sense of urgency. Stand by. This is what you want your minister to be like. Be at hand and ready, whether the opportunity seems to be favorable or unfavorable, whether it's convenient or inconvenient, whether it's welcome or unwelcome. You as preacher of the word are to show people in what way their lives are. Oh, my God, you do that. You have you a man of God, but there won't be a whole lot of people want to show up to listen to that. People want to show up and have donuts and coffee. How many of you know I'm for donuts and I'm for coffee, but I'm here more for Jesus than I am for donuts and coffee. 
So I was trained that a church is a place where you go and you go not to ride on a Ferris wheel. You go not to ride on a scrambler. You go not to get a hot cup of coffee and a donut, but you come for the word of God preached under the anointing of God and you get prepared to stand against the devil when he comes knocking on your door in the middle of the week. My God, church is a place where you come not to find, to go to some sing, some singles. I'm not against single class. I'm not against any of that, but my God, there ought to be something more important than going to church to just socialize. We ought to come for the fire of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Glory to God. Most of the people you find at those Christian singles clubs and churches are so goofed up anyway, they don't know whether they're coming or going. Follow the spirit of God like I did. Go to church and God will pick you out a good one. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? I put on that sign out there one time. I did it because of the spirit that I sensed in the community. We serve Jesus, not donuts. And boy, I caught all kinds of flack for that. People in the church, we even had it vandalized. That's the only sign that ever got vandalized. I put it out there at the direction of the Holy Ghost and I'll stand by it. I've even in some recent days had some people pull me back. No, I tell you what, we're here to serve Jesus, not donuts. No, I'm all for having donuts. I'm all for having coffee. We'll have, we can have a singles club. We can have the, we can have all the clubs you want. We can do all. I'm not against any of that. But first and foremost around this church, it is going to be Jesus Christ and Him crucified and Him raised from the dead. Heaven holy and hell hot. Can you say amen? Glory to God. That's got to be first and foremost. Casting out devils, getting people healed. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Glory to God. You start being a man of God in this hour and people will stop coming to hear you preach. We ought to get this thing back in this nation that people don't go for the Ferris wheels and they don't go for the donuts and they don't, but they come to hear the word of God again preached under the anointing of the spirit of God. Glory to God. Can you say amen? Glory to God. See, this kind of stuff right here makes the devil nervous. And this right here makes Christians who have a religious spirit on them nervous. So if you're nervous here today, glory to God. Holy Ghost fire. Holy Ghost fire. I want more testimonies like we've seen hundreds of people healed. I want to get hundreds more healed. Testimonies coming in. Yeah, we took the prayer cloth over and now she's healed. Glory to God. That's the kind of church I want to be. I I don't want to be a social club church. I want to be a Holy Ghost church. My God. Herald and preach the word. Keep your sense of urgency, whether the opportunity seems to be favorable, whether it's convenient or inconvenient, whether it's welcome or unwelcome. You as preacher of the word are to show people in what way their lives are wrong. Convince them, rebuke them, correct them, warn them, urge them, encourage them, do them all. But did you see? And here's the thing. I had one lady one time said, Pastor... Don't preach like I was preaching like this today one day. I don't preach like this every week. 
Holy Ghost got a hold of me. I mean, and she said, wait, 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 wait pastor, pastor, pastor. We got, I don't like that. I just want to be, I want to be, I want you to make me feel good. <laughs> Convince them, rebuke them, correct them, warn them, urge them. There's, and then what? But, but, but she wanted me to cut out, convince, rebuke, correct, and warn, and urge. Disencourage. We need to encourage people. I want to encourage, I want to encourage people. But you can't be a man of God if that's all you do. You got to do them other things too. Can anybody say amen? Oh, being unflagging. Unflagging. What does that mean? I can't wave my hands. No, I don't think that means that. Unflagging. It means don't change. Preach it just as hot if people are smiling or frowning. Preach it just as hot if they're jumping up or down or sitting there like, you know, deader than a door. Just, just preach it. Glory to God. Inexhaustible. In patience and teaching. Let's see if I want it. That is enough in that verse to make, make you excited. We can go on. Let's go for some more. Verse three. For the time's coming when people will not tolerate endure sound and wholesome instruction. Having ears itching for something pleasing and gratifying. What am I talking about? I'm talking about this nation. I'm talking about one of the reasons, the main reason that we're in the mess we're in is because, my God, we need some men of God that'll stand before the pulpit and do what that verse just said and those verses say. And then we need a people that'll grab a hold of that and live it, not just at church, but live it in their workplace and in the community. Can you say amen? Glory to God, for the time's coming when people not tolerate, endure sound and wholesome instruction, but having ears itching for something pleasing and gratifying, they'll gather themselves one teacher after another to considerable number. That's a whole lot of people, isn't it? Chosen to satisfy their own liking and foster the errors they hold. Verse four, and will turn aside from hearing the truth. truth. That's the word of God, isn't it? And wander off, and I've watched them do it, into myths and man-made fictions. My wife, some time ago, looked up on some of the mega church websites here in St. Louis. I didn't know she was doing it. She just did it. And some of the pastors, assistant pastors, they're... And they put right there on, 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 the, well, on the church site, you know, books I've read. And some of the books got, got four-letter words, foul language all through it. Some of the movies they've watched, R-rated movies with cussing in it, sexual promiscuity in it. And they just put that up there. I don't even think they even realize anymore that that's wrong. I said that's wrong. You shouldn't go to a church where a, where a pastor goes to R-rated movies and watches uh, uh, sexual promiscuity and, and cussing and whatnot. Is that right or not? I mean, I mean, I mean folks, if, 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 if you have a problem with that, that's part of the reason that this nation is in the shape that it's in. I'm talking about Christians now that will, that will watch movies full of... Uh, they take the name of the Lord in vain and they don't even bat an eye at it. 
Maybe it's because nobody had the guts to tell him that's wrong. It's wrong to watch a movie that has God's name in vain in it. It's wrong to go to a movie where, where there's sexual promiscuity. And it, it's, it's wrong. It's, it's just wrong. I've had people, I had one guy I'm thinking of who was with me for years. He left over that because of my position because he wanted to go to movies where they cussed and whatnot. Well, I'm going to stand and preach the word of God. But you know, you want to know why this nation, why is this nation in, in, in the shape that it's in? You don't really, most of us don't have to go any further than the mirror. Is that right? Because it would seem God will do nothing politically in this nation except that he's allowed to do, through, do so through the vote. Yeah, but the nations as a whole, it's hardest turned dark and they're voting in the... If Christians would just show up, we could run them out. Yeah, but pastor, it's so dark out there now. Yeah, but God is the light in the midst of a darkness. Amen? When it was dark over there in Egypt, it was light in Goshen. Is that right? Praise God. Is that right? The thing I've observed among Christians in this generation has gotten exponentially worse over the last, just the last five years even, is apathy. Apathy. Real loud, say apathy. apathy. So I didn't come just to give you three points in a poem today. We're preaching under the anointing of the Spirit of God. We'll, we'll dismiss when he's done. Realize, say apathy. apathy. That's a lack of interest, unconcern, indifference, emotionless, lazy, passive, slow, sluggish. Let somebody else do it. Apathy has always been a problem, but it's worse now than I've ever seen it. I'm talking about among Christians. You can see it when not even half of them show up to vote. Around the church, there should, there should, we should never have a need around here for a worker, but just for a short time. Because somebody, if you're really here at the hand of God, God will move on somebody to get, to get it done. Is that right? But we'll let somebody else do it. Apathy. Well, thank God there have been some great awakenings to steer America back in the right direction. And that is what we need now. You say, where do I begin? You begin Tuesday if you're registered to go to vote, go vote. How should I vote, pastor? That's between you and God. I'm not gonna tell you that. I just encourage you to vote the word of God. Yeah, but if I'm not, re- I'm not registered, pastor, well, there's the problem. Get registered and vote the next time. I want to tell you something. All the people that do not, that, that don't vote, Christ, I'm talking about anybody, Christians, non-Christians. Listen to me, this is a strong statement, but it's true. If you're old enough to vote and you do not vote, Christian or not, and you vote for someone who stands for baby killing, or you don't vote at all. Because as far as I'm concerned, if you don't vote at all, you've just given 
permission to that politician who kills babies, permission to do it. You haven't stood up and spoke out. Did you hear what I just said? Now it's getting real serious and I want it to, God wants it to. The blood of every baby that is murdered in their mother's womb at the hands of a politician that endorses abortion, it's on your hands if you don't vote. Yeah, but I didn't vote at all. I stayed neutral. That's the problem. You stay neutral where, it's, where it pertained to Jesus. Well, I don't want to accept him, but I don't want to reject him. I want to be neutral. You wind up in hell. For to be neutral is to reject him. To be neutral on, well, I'm just not going to vote at all. I'm just not going to vote at all. Yeah, you don't vote at all. You're being neutral. And the blood of every baby that is murdered in their mother's womb at the hands of a politician that endorses abortion, it's on your hands. And you're going to have to answer to God for that. That's why I go and I vote and I find the candidate that's as pro-life as I can find and I cast a vote for that person because it's good and it's right and I don't want those babies' blood on my hands. You okay? I'm almost done. This has been pretty strong today. Mike, I'm almost done, but listen, this this is so good. For the last many weeks, I've let you go home a little early. I'm, key, I'm making up for it right now. <laughs> Mike Barton brought this out. He said that when you vote, find out first where a candidate stands on life. Listen to me. Stand out, uh, find out first where a candidate stands on life. The Declaration of Independence says we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal uh, and they are endowed with, uh, by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are, what's the first one? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Real loud, say life. And that's listed first and it's significant. Mike Barton said we can tell with 90% accuracy where a politician is on every other issue by where they stand on the abortion issue, the life issue. If a candidate does not value your life, they will not value your liberty. They will not value your pursuit for happiness. They will not value your money and they will not value your property if they don't value your life. There is no perfect candidate and Governor Huckabee said that there was one four years ago when he ran. (laughs) But we passed him up and he said that kiddingly. But which party lines up most with the Bible? There's voter guides back there. You can go to internet sites and find out where the, the Republicans stand, where the Democrats stand. I'll just make this statement. Somebody said, uh, Mitt Romney is a Mormon. Well, I know he's a Mormon and, and Mormonism, I have to be honest with you. It's not Christian, it is a cult. But I will say this, he is a moral man. And from my understanding, he understands some things about business and economics, something that this nation could use. But I'm not telling you who to vote for. There is no perfect politician. Say amen. Amen. We just need to find the one that stands most for this word of God. And whoever you feel that is, you go cast your vote as you see fit. 
I will tell you this, that the Democratic Party's platform left out God this last year until they were forced to put it back in. They hold to abortion. They hold to homosexuality, all of which is in opposition to the word of God. Governor Huckabee said that he hears that every four years that that is the most important election, and he said that's not true. But he said this, and this struck me. He said that he feels that this election is one of the three most important ones in American history to date as to the direction that this country takes and how it will look in the future. He said first was the election of George Washington, second Abraham Lincoln, and he said what happens on Tuesday. That's Governor Huckabee talking, not me. He's a lot smarter than I am. We'll close in Second Chronicles 7.14. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. Notice this. If if who? Yeah, what got the nation in trouble in the first verse that we, it was my people, the my people, my people. We always want to blame the sinner. We always want to blame the heathen. Uh, listen. The problem in this nation has not been the sinners. The problem in this nation has been the apathy on the part of Christians. I said the problem in this nation has been the apathy on the part of Christians. So he didn't say if, if, if all the sinners would get together. What did he say here? If who? My people are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I'm going to add something in here. I'm not adding to the word of God, but I think the sermon, turn from their wicked ways and vote. Would that be a good thing? And vote? Now, I put that in. I'm not adding to the word. I'm just saying in this context, you can pray till you're blue in the face, but if we don't go out and vote, what good is it? If my people called by my name, humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their ways, I believe, go out and vote. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Let's stand in the presence of God. Just a few minutes before we dismiss, heads bowed, eyes closed. We've been under strong anointing here today. What did we do at church today? We sat under a strong teaching and preaching anointing. We, we sat under a, really a prophetic anointing here today. The power of the Spirit of God is here. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If my people who are called by my name, oh God, oh my, my, Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're here today and don't know Jesus, when I dismiss, there'll be some men and women standing up here. You can come up and say, hey, I want to know Jesus. I want to miss hell, make heaven. And they'll introduce you to him. And in that quick of a moment of time, you can get saved, miss hell, and make heaven. But for right this moment, heads bowed and eyes closed, just grab the hand of the person next to you. Heavenly Father, we just ask that those who are not registered to vote, 
We pull that darkness down that's blinded them to their importance. We ask that you would lay it upon their hearts before the next election comes that they wouldn't even be able to sleep at night but that they have to go out and get registered. For this election that comes up this next Tuesday, those that are registered and ready to go, we just ask right now that not only in this congregation but in this city, in this state, in this nation, that you would stir in the Christians' hearts to the, point that, to the point that I would like to hear testimonies at some point where Christians weren't able to sleep tonight. They weren't able to sleep tomorrow night because it was so strong on them that they, they, they just couldn't find rest until they went to the voting booths. And they walked in there and they cast a vote for the word of God. They cast a vote against killing innocent babies. They cast a vote against deviant lifestyles. And they cast a vote for the morality of the word of God. And that this nation would begin to turn back into the right direction. Oh God, raise up men of God and women of God under the anointing of God that are not interested in anything but your word and may they step into pulpits and may they thunder the word of God under the anointing of God and may the pulpits be stirred with the fire of God and oh God give me a people and let there be a people again rise up of Christians not wet blankets but people that do not have itching ears but that people that are on fire again for the word of God that nothing else is, is more important than the word of God. Oh, the pastor's teaching a, a class. He's te- oh, the television's on. The voice is on. But now what am I going to choose? The voice or the word of God? Give me a people that's stirred up. Amen. Give me a people that's more hungry for God and the word of God than they are for a television show that'll pass away in, a, in just, oh God, give me a people. Give me a people that'll pray. Give me a people that's more interested in what the Holy Ghost is doing in a service than what somebody's wearing or what they're not wearing or what the most recent gossip is. Oh God, let that be put away from this place. And oh God, give me a people that are excited about coming to the house of God on a Sunday morning to flow with the Spirit of God, to put God first and donuts second. Glory to God. Hallelujah. A fire of the Spirit. A flow of the Spirit. And as the pulpits are on fire and as the people purpose themselves to be on fire as well. And we pray. And then we just don't have faith because faith without works is dead. We have faith, but then we go exercise our works. And oh, let there be another awakening come to this nation. Another awakening, raise up men, raise up women that'll preach and proclaim. Give them avenues. May their pulpits be, be, be aflame with the fire of God and be significant and go out and touch their communities. And that this nation which the devil has worked on for over a generation and more 
and it's got us to this point, but we rise up now and we draw the line in the sand and we say that is enough. That is enough. This is a Christian nation. This is not a Muslim nation. This is a Christian nation. We love the Muslim. We love them. But we don't bow our knee to Allah. We bow our knee to Jehovah. We bow our knee to Jesus Christ. We bow our knee to the Holy Ghost. We do not bow our knee to the president. We do not bow our knee to the IRS. But we bow our knee to the commander in chief that sits on the far sides of the north. Almighty God, the ancient of days. Oh, that this nation again would be a nation where the politics and the political leaders were servants of the people. A nation where we do not have to be afraid of the government for the government serves us. And it's a nation of we the people. And the people run things as the Spirit of God directs. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, as we not only focus on this presidential election, but God, that process of time starting on Tuesday and even into the next round of elections, that those that would cause division, those that would cause division, and all they're interested in is partisan politics, and those that cause division would be voted out and removed. 